So the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team went to a wrestling match last night and a basketball game broke out. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama, brought to you by FanDuel. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Doing all right and looking forward to the Georgia basketball game on Saturday, but I like all Alabama sports. So softball today, Thursday at noon against Duke on TV. And then uh, tomorrow, Alabama softball at three o'clock, followed by Alabama gymnastics at six. So it's just an Alabama sports palooza. And I get pretty happy about that. Uh, first of all, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. I'll talk about them in just a minute. But Jimmy, one of the things that's so funny, like they keep telling us, Luke, you got to quit asking Jimmy how he's doing because that doesn't lead right into the stuff. And um, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, that's that's our thing. And they're like, yeah, but Jimmy never tells you how he's doing. He just tells you a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and that's exactly what you did. It's my <laughs> way. It's, I'm doing fine. And I appreciate you asking. Uh, I, I, It's my way of launching into the show. This is, this is how we launch into the show. You ask me how I'm doing, I launch into the show. Uh, speaking of launching, uh, there were a lot of bodies launched into one another last night during the Alabama-Tennessee game. Um, I'm not going to go full Andy Burcham here and, and say that the referees cost Alabama the game because, frankly, I thought the officials called the game okay for the most – I mean, there were some bad calls, certainly. I mean, that's just basketball. But they did not call it the way it'll be called in the tournament. Here's the good news. Or the bad news is Alabama lost. The good news is there is no way on God's green earth uh, that I think that any set of officials will call a basketball game in any tournament for any length of time the way that game was called last night. That game last night was a mosh pit, and it was you could not get a handle on it. It was ugly basketball. It was tough to watch. Um, it's just not the way basketball should be. And uh, I, I talk about this. I hate it when people say they made bad calls on both sides because what they're really saying is they made bad calls from my side, and I just want to throw that in. I really think they let that game be way too physical. Um, it got very chippy, and it was old Big East basketball, and we're, we're past that now. We're past that. Um, I do have a picture of uh, what was his not, – not Viscovi, what's the – Plavich, the Tennessee – Player, he would, you know, look, Jimmy, here he is leaving the arena, kind of celebrating. Because that's what it felt like he was, Mongo from Blazing Saddles. He just goes around throwing people out of the way. He literally got an offensive rebound and twerked his way into a position, knocking Noah Gurley backwards, and then hit a layup, and they don't call a charge. And which, again, it, it worked both ways. Um, but one of the other things that was funny to me, one time they, the couple of times they did make calls, uh, for instance, when Brandon Miller got called for a blocking foul after uh, Plavich had knocked him down and he was on the ground and they said, yeah, you know, he tried to trip him. I was like, he was a dead cockroach. He couldn't do anything. I just thought that was kind of comical. And then a couple of the charges they called, um, as one of our friends says in the text chain, find you somebody who loves 
the way loves you the way college officials love to call charges in college basketball. I'm I'm as a former post player myself, there's nothing worse than being called for charging when it's not charging. Like that is so I mean you're like, "Hey, he's bodying me up and I've I'm trying to move him, he's trying to move me. What do you, what do you want me to do?" Um but again, look, this was just a very physical game and I'm going to take a plus away from this. I'm not I wasn't upset at all last night. I really wasn't. I mean, there's some Alabama fans that took it. I'm like, it's our first conference loss. But uh, I think this is good for us. I mean, we needed – we got punched in the mouth again, and this time we responded better. We were in this game for a while. There were there was a crucial stretch in there of about three or four minutes. Um, I think that play that I was talking about where Plavich got a three-point play um, when Brandon Miller was knocked down. And then we had Brandon Miller hit a, hit a shot where he was called for a charge. Um, again, I, you know, is what it is. Um, but if those are turned around, I think this game goes a little bit differently. But because it doesn't go differently and because we do take the loss, I think this can help us in the long run. Jimmy, tell me I'm crazy. No, no, it certainly can. Uh, I do like how I felt like against Oklahoma, we sort of got punched in the mouth and, and just didn't respond at all. It, it was just there was just no response. I thought there was a good response in terms of answering toughness with some level of toughness last night i felt like like we didn't uh it wasn't oklahoma it wasn't lack of effort last night there's a difference between playing hard and playing well i hope people understand that there, there's a, a big difference you can play hard and it just not go right uh and and i think that's sort of what happened last night um i have a lot to say about the officiating too uh I, I do. I, I would agree. Everybody, every Alabama fan that's upset with the officiating, you are correct. You you're not overreacting. You weren't overly biased. That, that it was officiated. I, I thought horribly in, in the sense that Alabama committed fouls. Tennessee committed more fouls that were not called simply it's a home game for Tennessee I mean officiating is going to be lopsided in favor of the home team I think we all get that and we all know that the problem is when the officials let the game become physical to that extent the calls that are missed are like how can you miss that how can you miss that and because it's a little lopsided because of the home team it feels really rough for the Alabama fans and again, I don't. I'm not. I, I, I want to be very clear here. I'm not blaming the officials for the loss at all. Sure. I think they were pretty uniform. And again, yeah, the home team gets more calls. I, I've been saying that all you know all my life. The home team's going to get more calls. That's just the way that works. So you know that going in. Um, the the reason that a a, a brute game last night was uh, detrimental to us in the sense that it gave us very little chance to win was because also Tennessee was down a couple of players, so we had the depth. It would have benefited us more if they call that game the way I think basketball should be called, where you don't allow people to get hit in the face on a rebound, (laughs) you know, or twerk their way into a position. That's that's where I think it would have benefited Alabama. And But, again – let me. I'm not complaining about the officiating in the sense that Alabama got screwed. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they called it so that it was such a physical game that I don't think it's going to be called like that in any of these tournaments. When you get out of uh, a Thompson Bowling Arena, the, Tennessee's not going to get the benefit of this. And that's why I think it's going to hurt Tennessee come tournament time. we got to take a break here in a second, but I want to say one more thing, Jimmy. 
that uh, we want to talk about Javon Quinterly in the in the second half because he did not have his best game. He didn't he didn't handle the moment very well. I mean, there were a couple that he tried to go behind his back late in the game for some crazy reason. He had some lazy passes. I don't understand what he was doing there. Um, and I, you would hope a, a guy with that much experience could sort of gather the team around. And I thought it was a good moment for him to. To, to do that, and it just didn't step up. I love JQ. I, I love what he's done for this program. I want him to continue, but I thought last night he sort of got out of sorts. But I will say this. If I were him, I probably would have been out of sorts too because when Plavich, you know, when he, he – Plavich got called for a blocking foul, which was right, and it was before the shot, which was right. JQ shouldn't have, shouldn't have gotten uh, – I think it was called on the floor. But then JQ sort of just like keep going through the motion and takes the shot, and Plavich – elbowed him right in the face, knocked him to the floor. And then to Plavich's credit, he tried to pick him up. And JQ was like, you're not picking me up. You don't get to do something nice after you hit me in the face. You don't get to do that. And um, I didn't understand why they didn't review that. I thought the whole thing about some of these things was you review when people get hit in the face. And I just, again, I thought the whole thing was overly physical. And it's not that Alabama should be scared of playing physical, but I think you should be like, hey, this isn't basketball anymore. And that's why Tennessee scores in the 40s every dead gum game. Well, it was a battle of – I mean, this is another – and, again, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think Alabama lost because of officiating. Alabama lost because they, they didn't play well enough to win. I mean, that's why Alabama, and 19 Alabama, turnovers. Alabama didn't play well enough to win the game. But it, it was a battle of tempo. Alabama wants to play fast. They want to run the floor. They want a game in the 90s and the 80s. And you run the floor and you shoot threes and it's wide open and full throttle. Tennessee wants a sumo wrestling match. And the officials showed up last night. We got the sumo wrestling match officials. They they played right into Tennessee style. They allowed Tennessee style to, uh, to, to win tempo. Uh, and, and I think Tennessee had the exact right set of officials uh, that they needed to win last night in so many ways was a battle of tempo. Was it going to be fast? Alabama. Was it going to be slow? Tennessee. It was slow in part because the officials were okay with the WWE stuff going on in the paint. As a matter of fact, I just saw a stat that I'm not shocked. Well, I was a little shocked because I mentioned it because Alabama, this is how rough it was in the paint. Alabama made one basket in the paint. One. All night. One. One. I just saw the shot chart on uh, they just showed it on the SEC. Was that Mediaco's dunk? I get must have been. I mean, they just showed, you know, green is a make and red are the misses. Everything in the lane, everything in the lane was a red miss except for one green dot per the SEC, per SEC now. That just goes to show look as, as bad as Alabama played, they're not that bad. It was just sort of impossible for Alabama to make shots in the lane last night. Pick your reason why. Now, either I thought Alabama's effort defensively was good. Uh, I thought the rebounding was good. Uh, agreed, Quinterly had one of the worst games of his career, certainly the season. I thought Mark Sears also played really poorly. Uh, but let's credit Tennessee's defense. I mean, that, that's Great. one thing. They're elite defensively. On the one hand, it was frustrating me reading some messages from Alabama fans last night that were like, oh, Quinterly stinks, Sears stinks. You know, Tennessee had a lot to do with that. I mean, they're very, very good defensively seemed to affect the point guards more. So I thought Jaden Bradley, he was very frustrated. Look, if you're not going to 
if, if you're attacking the basket, that's great if it's producing offense. It, it seemed to produce zero offense. We weren't getting calls. We weren't making the baskets. We were just getting knocked to the floor with the ball just rolling around and never going in there. It just seems to me at some point you have to adjust, adjust to what Tennessee is doing, adjust to what the officials are calling. And it just seemed that had we played another half, I was expecting another 20 minutes of Jaden Bradley fruitlessly driving to the basket at some point, I know we weren't having the greatest shooting night ever. Again, credit Tennessee for that too. But I, I just I thought all night Alabama did a poor job of adjusting, adjusting to Tennessee, adjusting officiating, adjusting to the tempo, and uh, ends up uh, we lose the game. But that's fine. Uh, I look forward to the opportunity to play Tennessee again in the tournament. Jimmy, I got to tell everybody about FanDuel. Look, that's our new partner. They're the official sports book of the NBA. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored by individual players. You can bet on a number of three-pointers a guy hits. Um, you know, FanDuel lets you combine bets. Even bigger payout. It's awesome. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. And I think both those leagues do okay. So, you know, why don't you trust them? Also, go check out Locked On College Basketball. They're the best. A lot of fun. Locked On College Basketball. Alabama's still number one right now. Go check them out. Locked On College Basketball. You brought up a lot of stuff there. Uh, by the way, let me let me also add this. In case anybody has misunderstood, um, the officials let them play rough. Tennessee continued to play rough and continued to push the boundary. That's smart of Tennessee. That is that is how you should do it. If if the officials aren't calling three seconds in the lane, camp out in the lane. If they're not calling uh, charging fouls, bull your way into the lane. Tennessee did the smart thing. I'm I'm not faulting Tennessee or saying they were in cahoots within with the officials. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm saying this is not the way I think basketball should be. And so I think when the tournament comes around and there are different officials you will not see a game that is this physical. So in that regard, I think it's good for Alabama to take a few punches like this and understand, hey, some you know sometimes you're going to have a game like this and uh, maybe, again, deflate the ego a little bit. Just Oklahoma did, but in a different way. Oklahoma did it from a – they were hot as firecrackers. I think UConn specifically and, and Tennessee more so uh, really uh, laid into Alabama good. And um, you, against UConn, I don't think they responded that well. Frankly, against Tennessee, I thought Alabama responded pretty doggone well. I mean, look, and let me say this about Jaden Bradley, and then we I, we want to need to get to JQ and Mark Sears. But Jaden Bradley, this was his kind of game, man. And now he wasn't hitting his shots, and he also was missing some free throws, and he wasn't hitting his shots. Um, but he was getting in the lane and getting knocked down normally. He's going to go to line a lot more, and normally he's going to convert some of those three-point plays. I think the misses last night were also contagious. And, again, it's not the end of the world, guys. Don't don't fret over this too much. Tennessee's a good ball club. And we go. Who, how many people go into Knoxville and win? Not many. It just doesn't happen that often. Yes, Missouri hit a 40-footer to win it, but that's not going to happen a whole lot. So, But, Jimmy, I think we should talk about JQ and Mark Sears. Um, I listened to – 
field of 68 today on the way into work. And they said, they all were unanimous. Like, I feel better about Alabama after this game because Mark Sears ain't going to go one for six, you know, in, in the rest of the way in a big game. He's not going to do that. But they they brought up JQ for a minute, and they didn't talk about him long because he doesn't play as much. But my thing with JQ was I feel like that that hit from uh, Plavich that I talked about earlier, I think that really got him out of sorts. I really do. And – you know, he was doing some things later. He had a lazy one-handed pass, like, in a crucial moment of the game. And then he tried to go behind his back and go around Viscovi. You're not doing that, especially not in this game. I mean, I think you could have easily called a foul on Viscovi, but they're not calling that this game. you got to know better. Yeah. Um, again, it's about, you know, and, and, and it reminds me of a little football talk. It reminds me of the football <clears throat> in Tennessee where I think, and, and you know, and, and – that Tennessee football game, they they want to play football at a certain tempo, which we allowed, and that's why they won the game. Tennessee played the football game at the pace they wanted to, controlling tempo, and that's why we lost. There was highly questionable officiating in that game, but again, it just sort of played into what Tennessee was trying to do. Last night, the same thing. Tennessee wants a game decided rough in the paint, slow. They're big guys around the basket, controlling tempo, controlling uh, the calls, making the tough baskets with people hanging off of them. That's what they want to happen, and and that's what we let happen. I, I think what we, we could really be served by what happened last night is, look, we may play a tournament game, a do-or-die game in the NCAA tournament, second-round game, Sweet 16 game, where – it, it looks a lot like last night. You might run into that game. It can't be an excuse. That's what Nate's telling the guys today. Look, I know you're frustrated, but it can't be an excuse. We're going to get to a point in the season where you don't get a do-over. Last night, it really, really didn't matter. We're we're still very much in control of who wins the SEC with easier games coming up. But in the NCAA tournament, get a do-over. You adjust or the season is over. And, and I think last night is the real lesson. I think we did a better job adjusting last night than we did at Oklahoma, but it still wasn't good enough. And that's probably uh, the lesson today in, uh, in practice. I suspect what will happen is we will have a really good game against Georgia 5 o'clock on Saturday. I really believe we're going we're gonna to beat the brakes off of Georgia on Saturday. And um, I also suspect uh, – you know, we'll, we'll do well against South Carolina. Then we got an Arkansas team that's going to be dangerous. And let's talk about the SEC here just for a second because I went to bed last night a little early. I'm uh, flying into Columbus tonight to go see my kids and all this other stuff. And um, I went to bed about halftime of the Arkansas-Texas A&M game. When I went to bed, I was thinking, okay, good, Arkansas will win this game, I think. Texas A&M wins. Uh, I thought – Mississippi State had a good chance to beat Kentucky. I don't think that really matters one way or the other for us for the most part, although we did right. play Mississippi State twice and beat them twice and only Kentucky once. So I was pulling for Mississippi State. But uh, Kentucky wins that game. So, look, uh, Arkansas now, I mean, they're about to get really desperate. They're going to need a win against us in Tuscaloosa a week from Saturday. Maybe. Um, and A&M is only one game back. Now, A&M travels to Missouri, I think, Tuesday. And uh, so – Saturday. I think that game's Saturday. Saturday? Okay, Saturday. You're right. I'm getting my days mixed up. That's Saturday. So that's not going to be an easy game. If if they yeah. lose that game, then okay, I'm I'm going to take a sigh of relief. But 
overall the SEC is tightening up just a second. It feels like we've been running away with this thing and all of a sudden came up. Yeah, we don't – I think what we want to avoid, obviously, is – or what we'd like to avoid is ending the season at A&M where the winner, where the winner wins the SEC and we got to win the SEC on the road against the team that is up. That, that would be a, a really, really tough draw considering how far we've come. Uh, so hopefully that won't be the case. It may, it may be, and we'll, we'll just have to, you know, you, you do have to win the league. You have to win as many games as it takes. Uh, and that's a, a realistic major goal for us. And it's been the season so fun last night, notwithstanding uh, uh, over it's, it's crazy that we're this deep into the season, Luke, and we can name the losses. We can name the, well, we lost to Yukon Gonzaga, uh, Oklahoma and 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 at Tennessee and those are the losses. It's incredible that we're this deep into a 31 game season and we just rattle off the losses so easily because there's been so few. It's been a really tough schedule. And as we noted on our show before we ever played the Tennessee game, hey, look, this was the toughest SEC game on the whole schedule. Uh, you're either going 18 and 0 or you're losing at Tennessee. If you're going to lose a game, it was going to be this one. It was the hardest game. On the schedule, it's how I pick the football schedule every year. Hey, I mean, not every year. I try not to be that 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 predictable, but we're going to talk all summer about what's the football record going to be. I'm going to go back and look at the math and determine most of Saban's teams finish 11-1. and one. What's the one toughest game on the schedule? That's the game I'll, pre- I'll predict we'll go 11-1 and one and lose the toughest game on the schedule. Uh, and, and so last night wasn't a crazy outlaw. Heck, Tennessee was favored to win the game for a reason. Yeah, and that's why I really hope, you know, the casuals understand that this isn't that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, you want them all, but you're not going to win them all. There's a reason the last undefeated team was Indiana in 76, right? Yeah, uh, that's right. Hey, one, oh, here's a story. We like to tell stories. One, when I was much younger and even dumber then than I am now, imagine that. That's hard to imagine, but I was dumber then than I am now. I Mark Godfrey. Uh, he had only been our, our coach for maybe a season or two. And it was just me and Mark for about five or 10 minutes. And I remember the look on his face. I thought I was telling him something that I perceived as something kind of smart. <laughs> and I tell the look on his face. He didn't appreciate anything I was saying at all. Now, I so wish of all the conversations I've had with coaches, that's one I really want over again. But I was telling Mark about how I feel that the basketball team at Alabama really suffers because we have so many football fans that everything's an overreaction because we're so used to overreacting in football because a loss in football is a tragic event of, of the Hindenburg has crashed directly into the Titanic every time we lose a football game. And I feel that because most of our fans are football fans that watch Alabama play basketball, there's an overreaction. And, and, and I'm like, man, and you guys, guys are really the victim of the either like you're speaking the obvious uh, I was hoping he was going to have the look on his face like I'm glad somebody is finally saying this out loud because you're so right <laughs> but instead he was like well, why are you talking to me about all the games I'm losing I, I'm, he, he just <laughs> he just didn't have a look on his face that he appreciated what I was saying but that was my point is that we we really overreact because we're used to a loss being a calamity in basketball. That's just not the case when you lose on the road road to a top 10 team. 
Um, I want to say one other thing about that. That's a good story. But uh, one other thing about that, I was talking to my brother. Um, there, there's this. I don't know how this ties in, but there was a story from a friend of ours uh, that's a lawyer that was trying to defend a, 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 a I don't know a, a criminal. I, don't, I guess a guy like a murder charge or something. And um, he there was an eyewitness that saw the guy commit the crime on the stand. And our buddy, who's a lawyer, went up to him and said, so you you feel like you saw him? And the guy said, yeah, I saw him. He did it. He said, oh, uh, well, how you were 50 feet away, right? He goes, yeah, I was about 50, 60 feet away. He goes, well, how far can you see then with your such good eyesight? He said, I can see the moon. How far is that? And my guy was <laughs> like, okay, you got me. You got me. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I always thought lawyer, that was a good story. A lawyer, trick. a lawyer rule. Never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. <laughs> that's a good point. And that's, that's why, All right, uh, let's take a break. When we come back a very quick on a couple of player, director of player development additions, kind of. All right, Jimmy, uh, a new position in football and probably in basketball, too. I don't know if this goes for basketball. Um, but I know Trevon Reed does this for Auburn, I think. There, there are other players, former players that do it all over the SEC and all over the country. Director of player development, which is really, it feels like liaison between the players and the coaches. Like Because sometimes I get the sense that, maybe I'm reading it wrong, that you want to have a player that's been through the, the ringer of the program that can acclimate a player to what he's going to be going through and what the coach is going to be telling him and also acclimate the coach to, Hey, when this player says this, or he's telling you this, what he really means is this, you know, because there can be a communication barrier because I mean, let's face it. A lot of these coaches, while they may have had uh, upbringings that, that didn't come from a lot or whatever, um, they've probably been pretty wealthy for some time and they may have, distance themselves from knowing what it feels like to be young and maybe to be uh, not come from as much sometimes. So maybe they, they need somebody that can act as a great communicator between the two. And I think it's an awesome idea. I think it makes a ton of sense. Instead of just having a coach go, you do it my way or the highway. And if you can't figure it out, get out of here. That that way doesn't work in, in society. So I think it's a great idea. And for Alabama, apparently they have hired Ha Ha Clinton Dix, which I think is awesome. I love Ha Ha Clinton Dick's coming back here. There's a guy that's played national championship games. He's played in the NFL for a long time. And Josh Chapman is also apparently uh, in that same role. They both have the same title. I don't understand how that is. Can you have more than one? And is that the way it is, Jimmy? I don't know. Well, there's no NCAA rules right now about the size of a support staff. So I suppose we could have two or 20 of them, uh, however many we could pay. Alabama has as we know, an army of support staff guys. Uh, Nick Saban feels it's important. Uh, you know, and Nick is so good at organizing stuff. I mean, my questions would be about duplicity and is all of this necessary and, like myself, a clear chain of command, a clear delineation of duties. I assume that's in place. It's got to be. It's Nick Saban. So, Assuming all that's in place, which is a fair assumption, uh, I like it. I'm sure, look, we have so many highly recruited players on the team, and a lot of them, I'm sure, get frustrated with not playing more, not learning the system faster, something's not going well. I think it's awesome that that HaHa is someone they can go into his office and sit down with and Hawk and say, hey, look, you know, this 
you, you appear upset about this. Tell, tell me what's upsetting you. And ha ah, probably is relatable in some way where he can tell them stories about hey, how, hey, I was a first round pick. And guess what? I, I, I struggled with this. What you're struggling with, I struggled with it, too. And this is how I overcame it. So you know, I think haha, just being relatable, let's be honest. I mean, Nick Saban is a multi-gazillionaire, 71-year-old greatest head football coach of all time. Might not be super comfortable for every player we have on the team to sit down with, with, with coach and tell coach what's bothering them or what the problem is. But with haha, maybe, you know, it's a more relatable situation. You know, haha's more like they are. And, and and sat in their seat and sat on the other side of that desk. So I, I love it. I, I I think Alabama's always had it. Here's some inside football for some people that always want some inside scoop. You know, Scott Cochran, when he was here, he used to kind of fill that role for Alabama. Scott Cochran was kind of like, hey, you know, go to Scott when you're having a problem and Scott can help you fix it. Uh, and then when Scott left, that was actually the big loss when Scott left was that. Uh, he was this – barrier between the players and the and the coaches and someone that the players felt like they could all go to and uh when we lost scott we really didn't have that and i'm not saying we finally fixed it i'm just saying there is an effort from the program to allow players multiple outlets to vent to tell somebody what a problem is to go to someone for help to where they're not all just standing in line to go see nick saban who's you know sort of busy and not only that, haha, Clinton Dix is uh, notable because he was once in a Key and Peel sketch uh, when he, they were funny names, you know, for like the East West All Stars. If you've ever followed the Key and Peel show, like they had, uh, you know, Splendiferous Finch and everything. And then at the end, it was haha, Clinton Dix. Yeah, <laughs> Alabama. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Or AA Ron Rogers. Um, anyway, also right. hired Ken Wisenhut. We'll talk about that more in the next show. But he, in my mind, an even bigger hire, Ken Wisenhut, coming to the staff, uh, two-time NFL head coach, been an OC in multiple NFL teams, been a college OC, uh, worlds of experience, which is going to be so helpful to our coordinator, Tommy Reese. Shows how comfortable Tommy Reese is, by the way, when he's 31 years old and he's bringing in someone, well, let's be honest, is more qualified than Tommy Reese is because of his age and experience, but just shows how confident Tommy Reese is that, Hey, I'll bring Ken Wisenhut into this building. I need him as a resource as opposed to being intimidated by what Ken Wisenhut's bringing to the table. You know, Tommy Reese is so young. We may need a director of coordinator development. <laughs> so, um, all right. I Probably mean, go see ha. <laughs> Maybe older than Tommy. Uh, Tommy play, it just struck me. You know, Tommy was a backup quarterback in that Notre Dame game. Ha ha had an interception in that game in the oh, 2012 Orange Bowl. Oh, God, he intercepted the, the starter. Reese was second. So ha ha is literally one year older than Tommy Reese, I believe. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe. We appreciate you a ton. We'll be back next time. Until then, roll tight. Roll tight.